First Peter chapter number one, verse number 13 is where we're going to start. We're going to read three verses this morning. Again, thank you for being here. I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach. And so let's go ahead and read our scriptures this morning and then we'll pray and we'll get started. But the Bible says here, verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Father, we thank you again for this morning. Lord, I thank you for those that are here and their faithfulness, Lord, to the, to the fellowship of the saints, but Lord, most importantly, to the preaching of your word. We thank you for the singing, Lord. It's been a blessing. We thank you for the truth that we can hear in those songs. And we know, Lord, that truth is what matters. And Father, we thank you for the wonderful truth that we find in your word, the standard, Lord, for our lives. And so as we gather around it this morning, I pray you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, I admit this morning that I need you in a mighty way. Lord, I always feel weak and inadequate when I stand to preach and And so, Lord, I just confess that to you this morning and ask you to fill me with your spirit. Give me strength. Give me boldness. Give me the words, Lord, that you'd have for the the young people here this morning. And, Father, that they would listen, that they would listen intently and on purpose, that they would desire, Lord, for you to speak to their hearts, that they would, Lord, wholeheartedly desire to be changed into the image of your Son. And so, Father, bless, we do pray, the preaching this part of the service. We'll give you the glory. We ask you, Lord, for these things, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, holiness is something that we're all familiar with. Holiness is something we understand that that we need. Uh, Holiness is something that is really um, uh, not understood in a a lot of so-called churches. Thankfully, in Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches such as ours, we have a scriptural view of holiness, and, and uh, you should be thankful that you have pastors and teachers that, that tell you what it means to be holy, what it means to be set apart, because that's what God did when he saved us, is, was he set us apart, made us fit, made us meet, made us ready to be used by him. Uh, but we need to understand that uh, holiness is obviously, without it we will not see the Lord, but holiness, if we don't have it, will not be in proper fellowship. With the Lord, and so it's His will. He He determined before the foundations of the world that we would be conformed to the image of His Son. That's His desire for us, for us to live holy lives, uh, uh, representing Him. And so that's what we need to understand. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail this morning as as far as what that means, uh, but I do want to look at this passage of Scripture and talk about our call to holiness. Now, verses 1 through 9 here in 1 Peter, we're all familiar with. They're wonderful verses about our salvation and about the eternal security that is found uh, or that we have in our salvation. It, it breaks my heart that there are those that believe that it's not an eternal thing. I know people, I have known people that do not believe that you can, uh, that you, they, they believe you can lose your salvation. I had someone recently, it was a family member and uh, we were camping, and I was 
sitting outside reading my Bible. I tried to get out there early before everybody else, and they asked me what I was reading. I was reading out of First Peter. And he said, oh, my pastor just preached out of First Peter. And I said, oh, yeah, what was his message about? And he said something. And I was like, I said, he got that from First Peter? He said, well, what do you get out of First Peter? I said that you can't lose your salvation. It's saved. It's, it's eternal. It's kept. It's reserved in heaven for you. Ah, oh, well, we don't. He said, we don't touch on those controversial things. <laughs> that's what verses 1 through 9 is about, amen? Our wonderful salvation that's kept, that's sure. And so we're assured of that, aren't we, in these first few verses. And then verses 10 through 12 talk about how the prophets foretold of it. Then, then mentions how it came. And so it's a wonderful thing. But then in verse 13, we have a wherefore, don't we? So because of the wonderful salvation that we have and because of the wonderful uh, uh, gift that God has given us, uh, we should be holy. He set us apart positionally and we need to be set apart practically. How we are positionally, we need to be moving in that direction practically. We don't become holy automatically. It's as we surrender. It's as we commit ourselves to the Lord and to His Word. It is a lifelong process of sanctification. We understand that. But we should be seeking holiness because we've been called to holiness. And so I want to look at this passage of Scripture and just uh, focus on a few things this morning. One primarily, but verse 13 again. Wherefore, gird up the loins... Of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Number one, this morning, when we accept the call to holiness, we must prepare our minds. We must prepare our minds. Now, the illustration that's used here is the girding up the loins of our mind. And so this refers to the dress that they would have in, in, in Bible times. Um, and again, it's different than ours. But it was the idea where a man would, would gird up his, his longer garments to help him to be able to work, to help him maybe uh, uh, in battle, to help him maybe to run. Um, you know, I don't know why anybody wants to run. I guess if somebody's chasing you maybe. Um, other than that, why, you know, maybe, maybe the ice cream truck is, you, you, you want to catch it. So maybe there's a couple good reasons to run, but... Um, but other than that, you know, I, I can't really think of any. Um, but but they, would, they would gird up their longer garments and they would tuck it in their girdle. Um, and so that's the idea here. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. And so uh, uh, prepare our minds for action. That's the idea here. And so when it comes to holiness, when it comes to our walk, when it comes to the Christian life, we have to prepare our minds for action. A soldier is not going to be of much use in battle if his mind is not prepared for what he's about to face. If he goes into that battle, um, he's not going to be prepared. There's many, many things in life, non-spiritual things, that they're mental. We have to be prepared mentally in order to, to do them. And the spiritual uh, life is obviously that way. This life is a battle. We talked a little bit about it. This life is not easy. This life is hard. We live in an evil, fallen, wicked world. We have an adversary that is out to get us, an adversary that does not want us to live a holy life. And so that adversary is constantly raging, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, he's not after the worldly Christians. 
He's not after the ones that are of the world and in the world and look like the world and dress like the world and talk like the world. He's after those that are serious about God and serious about holiness. He's after young people in churches like this. Because churches like this produce disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Churches like this start other churches. Churches like this and churches like yours, I know there's some other churches here, they send out missionaries. They produce, as I said, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not what he wants. And so he's in attack mode and our life is a battle. And can I say to you this morning, our our mind is a battlefield. I mean, really, the Christian life is won or lost in our minds. And so we have to be prepared, don't we? We must, we must prepare mentally, obviously, for the battle that is ahead. We must understand the spiritual war that we are in. We must understand that, that we are in a battle, that we do have an enemy, that as we go through life, it's not just going to be smooth sailing. It's not just going to be easy We have an adversary, the devil. We have people that are going to be against us. We have a whole world that's going to be against us. And so we must be prepared mentally. We must have our minds made up on this reality as we enter into the battlefield. And so we must see that we are in a battle. And we must understand that there's a battle ahead of us. And we have to be ready. But as I said, in this battle that we call life, it's won or lost in the mind. You see, for us that are believers, it's a spiritual battle. Even if we face a physical battle, maybe a health issue or maybe, maybe an attack from someone or, or something physical along those lines, um, we must face it with a spiritual perspective. The lost, dying world doesn't look at life in the same lens that we do. The lost, dying world doesn't handle things the same way we should. And so regardless of what it is, what type of battle, it's spiritual. The answer is spiritual. Our response should be spiritual. Our perspective should be spiritual. And so we have to understand that our minds must be prepared. The Bible has a lot to say about our minds. I won't turn to all of them for the sake of time, but Romans 12 verse number 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing. Of your mind. Ephesians 4.23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. James 1.8 tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Philippians 4.8, after it goes through a, a list of all those things, things that are holy, things that are pure, uh, then it says, think on these things. That's a key to winning the battle oftentimes. And so we could s- say many, many more verses But the Bible has a lot to say about our minds. And we have to understand that it truly is won or lost in our mind. So we have to be prepared, don't we? Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now the second thing we see here that I really want to focus on this morning is the next phrase, be sober. Not only must we prepare our, our minds, we, number two, we must control ourselves. We must prepare our minds and we must control ourselves. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's easier said than done. <laughs> you might be thinking, I hope you have the answer and you're going to tell us this morning. Uh, well, we do have the answer. 
It's not easy, I understand that. But it is something that we can do. The Bible's not going to tell us to do something that God won't enable us to do or God won't allow us to do or God won't equip us to do. So we must control ourselves. The word sober here means self-controlled. That's what it means. Uh, Someone said it like this. They said, the term sober-minded literally means free from intoxicating influences. We speak of a person who is not drunk with alcohol or high on drugs as being sober. His or her mind is not under the control of a dangerous outside force. More broadly, being sober-minded means that we do not allow ourselves to be captivated by any type of influence that would lead us away from sound judgment. The sober-minded individual is not intoxicated, figuratively speaking, and is therefore calm under pressure, self-controlled in all areas, and rational. The sober-minded individual is not intoxicated, figuratively speaking, and is therefore calm under pressure, self-controlled in all areas, and rational. So in this call to holiness, if we're going to answer the call, we must have our minds prepared. We must understand that our, uh, uh, a battle lays ahead of us, that it is a spiritual battle. We must accept that, and we must prepare our minds. And so when we think about this, and when we think about being sober... We obviously need to learn to control our thinking. We need to learn to control our thinking. Now hear me out here. I'm not going to tell you that you can control what comes into your mind. I've not figured that out yet. If you have, let me know. So we can't control the thoughts that come into our mind. Now those thoughts may be the result of something that we see. Obviously, there's things that we shouldn't watch, things that we shouldn't look at, and we control those things, and and we shouldn't see them. But we can be driving down the road, and my goodness, what's on billboards and all over the world that we can't help. We go out into the world, and we see immodest dress, and nakedness is what the majority of it is. And and so there's things like that that we necessarily can't control, and those, those thoughts come into our mind because of those things. But also we know we can be alone. We cannot be exposed to anything like that. And thoughts come into our mind, don't they? They just, they just come out of nowhere for, for whatever reason. And so I'm not going to sit here and say to you this morning that you can control what comes into your mind. You can to an extent. Don't watch things you shouldn't watch. Don't look at things you shouldn't look at. We understand those things. But we can't control all thoughts. We can't stop everything from coming into our mind. But here's what we can do. We can control what we do with it. We can control how long it stays there. And so that's what we need to learn. Because I've not figured out how to stop those thoughts from coming in. But I, and I haven't mastered controlling them once they're there. But we can learn. We can control them. And so it could be thoughts about something that we desire. It could be a temptation. We all understand that. We, we desire something. Maybe we see something and we desire it. Or maybe just a desire comes into our mind. I find myself regularly think, thinking to, the, to myself, why am I thinking this? It's just there. 
Why am I thinking about this? Where did this come from? It's just there. So we can't control that necessarily, but we can control what we do with it and how long it stays. So maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's something that we are tempted to do. Maybe it's a thought about a person. This happens a lot. Maybe it's a thought about a person. Maybe you go somewhere and somebody doesn't talk to you. Well, she must be mad at me. Well, he must be mad at me. Well, wonder what I did. Why do we think those things? But we think them, don't we? I tell my church people all the time, I was like, you know what? If someone don't shake your hand today, that's fine. It might not, don't, go, don't go home and talk at lunchtime and say, well, wonder what his problem was. Maybe you just didn't get around shaking your hand. What's the big deal? Doesn't mean he's mad. But we have those thoughts, don't we? They just come into our head for whatever reason. So it could be about a person. It might be a thought about God. Maybe a, a question or, or a doubt. Again, we could give lots of examples this morning, but I think you understand what I'm saying. And so when it comes to our thinking, we can somewhat control what comes into our mind, but we can't fully. And so here's what we need to do. When we have those thoughts, we need to stop and we need to ask ourselves, should I be thinking about this? Obviously, if we see an immodest dress lady and thoughts come into our mind, we need to stop and say, well, these thoughts shouldn't be there. And then we do something about it. So we need to stop and ask ourselves, should I be thinking about this? If it's a desire or a temptation, something along those lines, a lust. We need to stop and ask ourselves, is this even true? I think a lot of people would, would do well to stop and ask their self about their thoughts. Do I even know if this is true? We think somebody's mad at us or something like that. Do you know for sure? If you don't know for sure, don't worry about it. If you, if you don't know for sure, don't, don't, don't let it take any part of your life. But we do that, don't we? We have a thought, we think something about someone, and we worry and we stew and we fret and we wonder and we just can't get it out of our minds. Ask yourself, do I even know if this is true? Maybe you think something happened. Do you know for sure that it, you, you, you're worried about something, you can't get it out of your mind? Do you know for sure that it even actually happened? So I think we would do well to stop. This is about the submission, isn't it? James 4, 7 that we talked about. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Another instance where we stop, we learn to think about our thoughts. We learn to stop and ask ourselves, these things. We're too quick as individuals to think something and then believe it. To think something and then respond to it. When if we would just stop and ask ourselves, should I be thinking this? Is this even true? Do I even know that this took place? That would remove a lot of the problem. Because if we would just be honest and say, no, I shouldn't be thinking about this. No, I shouldn't be worrying about this. And I admit it doesn't just immediately leave your head. But we give that to God and we say, Lord, I shouldn't be thinking about this. Help me to think about something else. And then we think about things that are pure. We think about things that are honest. We think about things that are true. We think about things that we can praise God for. We be thankful. We think about something else. But we've got to learn to stop. And we've got to learn to ask ourselves these things. So just because you think it doesn't mean it's real. 
Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Just because you think it doesn't mean you should continue to think about it. So we have to learn to control our, our thinking. Number two, we have to learn to control our emotions. Now I understand this morning emotions are a part of who we are. I like emotions. I like happiness and I like laughter and I like those things. It's, uh, uh, it's much better to be uh, in a good mood, in a happy mood than, than it is to be in a, uh, a grouchy mood. It's natural to mourn when someone passes or when we lose sadness. It's, it's a natural thing and uh, all those things are necessary and all those things are given to us by God. It's part of who we are. It's part of how he made us. And so emotions in and of themselves are not wrong. An emotion is a particular response to an event or a situation. It's, it's how we respond to something. Now, now we usually call them feelings. We will say this, I feel a certain way. I feel happy or I feel sad or I feel angry or I feel worried. That's, that's typically how we say it, but they're emotions. And we usually feel a certain way, don't we, because of a certain thing an event or a situation. Listen, things happen. And we respond emotionally, don't we? That, that's just a natural part of, of who we are. Things happen, we respond emotionally. Sometimes things don't happen and we respond emotionally. There's where the controlling our thoughts comes in. Because we think something that we don't even know to be true. We think something that we don't even know if it even happened. And then we respond emotionally. Can I just say to us, we have to learn to control that. Listen, if something good happens and you want to be happy, be happy. If something good happens and you want to be joyful, be joyful. If something sad happens and you want to be sad, be sad. But if you think something in your mind but you don't know it to be true, then don't respond emotionally to it. And there again, we have to learn this, don't we? Some, some people are more emotional than others. I'm not going to say which sex is more emotional than the other. But I think you know. For the most part. All right. I've been married 18 years. I have two daughters. All right. And one son. I mean, me and my son are, you know, there ain't much hope for us. Amen. But we understand what it means to be emotional, don't we? And I mean, as a, as a husband, I mean, there's, there's conversations I've had with my wife where I've had to tell her. As the head of the household, as her, as her authority, I've had to say, you need to stop thinking that way. And you need to stop feeling that way. Because it's just part of her nature. She's just more emotional. She's more quick to respond emotionally. She just more naturally responds to certain things. If, if the, uh, 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 res, uh, 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 the response is, you know, should be there, if the emotion is a natural response to it, what am I trying to say? If the emotion is the result of something that happened and the emotion is a proper emotion, it's fine. But when it's not, that's when we have a problem. So we need to ask ourselves about our emotions, just like our thinking. We need to stop, we need to ask ourselves. We need to stop when it comes to our emotions. Our emotions need to be brought under the standard of Scripture. We need to understand that. So let me ask you this about your emotions. Are your emotions based off a of thought? Oftentimes they are. 
Do you know for a fact that that thought is true? Do you know that it actually happened? Are you going to produce an emotional response to something that you don't know for sure to be true? Is your emotion based off an actual event? Did something actually happen? You, knew, you know it happened, and therefore you produced an emotional response. Is your emotion, or is your response scriptural? Is your emotion scriptural? Does it honor God? Is it in accordance with His Word? And so there again, we need to learn to control our thinking. We need to stop. We need to ask ourselves. And we need to learn to control our emotions. Again, this is part of learning. This is part of slowing down. This is part of stopping and thinking. This is part of, again, submitting ourselves unto God. But we need to learn this. This is part of preparing our minds, girding up the loins of our mind, and being sober. If we're going to be self-controlled, it starts with our thinking. It starts with our emotions. And finally, or I'm sorry, when it comes to emotions, we need to understand that they often lead to other things. If you think something about someone that's not true and you respond emotionally and you respond in an improper manner, that could cause, to, cause you to get mad at somebody. It could cause you to, to hurt a relationship. It could cause you to have anxiety. It could cause you to worry. It could lead to so many other things when you possibly should not have even responded emotionally in the first place. Okay? So we need to ask ourselves, is this emotion proper? Is it based on something that's true that actually happened? Third, we need to control our actions. You might say, well, that's easy to say, and I, I understand that it is. But again, the Bible tells us to be sober so we can be sober. It tells us to be self-controlled so we can be self-controlled. And so we do need to understand that if we can learn to control our thinking and control our emotions, then most of the time we can control our actions. Because oftentimes our actions are a result of our thinking. Listen, we don't, we don't just sin and say, well, where did that come from? It came from your mind. You thought about it. You see, all sin is lust. It's a desire to do something. And those lusts, I understand they well up in our hearts. I understand sometimes they're not even the result of something that we see. They just come. They're just there. I understand that. But if we don't stop, and if, we don't, if our minds don't tell our hearts, nope, we ain't doing that. Nope, we can't have that. Nope, we can't go there. Then we're probably going to go there. We're probably going to do it. And so you might say, well, it's easy to say we need to learn to control our actions. I understand that. But we need to go back to where it starts, the thinking. Should I be thinking this? If you shouldn't be thinking about it, then you need to start doing some business with the Lord. Wherever you're at, does not matter. If it's a thought that you'd be honest and say, I shouldn't be having this thought, then you need to do business with God. If you produce an emotion based off of something that happened or based off something that you think might have happened, you need to ask yourself, is this a proper emotion? Should I be responding emotionally? If you should not be, then you need to do business with God. Submit yourself to Him. Say, Lord, I'm feeling this way, and I know that I shouldn't. I need your help. I need your, your mercy. If we're going to learn to control our actions, if we're going to live holy lives, then we need to learn to control our thinking and our emotions. You know, holiness is really very simple. It's, 
It's just overcoming the flesh and walking in the Spirit. It's overcoming our own flesh, our own natural desires and tendencies, and walking in the Spirit, being under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit. And as we talked about, it's a daily thing, and it's a moment-by-moment thing. So number one this morning, we need to be prepared. We need to prepare our minds. Number two, we need to be sober. We need to control ourselves. And number three, we must rely on grace. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love the word hope. We use the word hope wrong most of the time. Um, I heard it was hot. It's been hot here, okay? We got here yesterday, and we're like, Pennsylvania is wonderful. I mean, my, my wife and I were saying, there's like no humidity here. You know, it was like, it was hot when we got here, but it wasn't like suck the energy, drain you sort of hot. And I was like, there is no, this is wonderful. But then Brother Hammett ruined it. He said yesterday was miserable and the last two weeks have been miserable. He said, we've just had a break in the weather, Okay. So for a couple weeks, you all here in Pennsylvania were going, I hope the weather cools off. I hope this humidity goes away. I mean, I've been saying in Illinois, we've been getting a ton of rain. I hope it quits raining, you know. We say those sort of things, don't we? That's not really the proper definition of hope. We're, we're wishing, you know, when it comes to like the weather, you know, we don't know whether or not it's going to be one way or another. We have no control of it. We might say, I hope it's nice, but, but we're just wishing, you know, maybe there's something we'd like to do, and we say, you know, well, I hope someday I can do this or go there. We're just wishing. We don't know for sure. But the definition of hope is we know. Amen. We're sure. Our salvation is a, is a hope. It's not something we're unsure about. It's not something we wish for. It's not something, you know, we, we're, eh, we, we just kind of slide into the end of our life hoping that maybe... No, it's something that we know for sure to be true. And by the way, everything that God says in his word, we can know for sure to be true. He's going to do it. And so it's our hope. We rely upon it. We know it. It is a conviction of ours. The return of the Lord is called the blessed hope. We know it's going to take place, hopefully soon, hopefully in our lifetime, but we know that it's going to. And so that's what hope is. Hope is believing. Hope is Trusting, hope is confiding in that which we know to be true. And so as we gird up the loins of our mind, as we learn to be self-controlled, we are to hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought into us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now we understand that this is a looking forward to when the battle is over. We understand when it comes to a real battle, there's probably no soldiers in there going, man, I hope this lasts forever. They're in the battle, they're prepared for the battle, they're willing to fight, they're willing to do whatever's necessary, but they're all looking for the end, aren't they? They're all waiting for it to be over. They're prepared to do whatever needs to be done. They've signed up, they're in it, but there ain't one of them hoping that it's a lifelong battle. They're looking forward to the end. And so we understand when it comes to this life, I mean... We hope to the end for the grace 
that's to be brought into us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, there's nothing wrong with, with looking forward to the end. The older I get, the, the more forward I look, or, you know, the more um, I look forward to it. And so obviously that's what it's talking about, but it's also talking about in the meantime. In the meantime, while we're in the battle, you know what we need to do? We need to rely on the grace that's been given to us. We need to rely on the grace that God has already given us in our salvation and that he gives us to live this life. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. <clears throat> Titus 2, verse number 11. Wonderful verses. There's a lot of wonderful verses, isn't there? Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, <clears throat> teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord, uh, of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous. Of good works. And so the grace that's been given to us at salvation is the same grace that teaches us that we're to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. You know, uh, again, a lot, of, a lot of people are off on this idea of grace. They say things like, well, we're under grace now. We want to have a few dress standards and dress holy and, and look a certain way, and they say, well, we're under grace now. We want to have strict standards of living. We want to hold to, to the only Word of God, the King James Bible, and they say things like, oh, no, well, well, we're under grace now. And so we have this idea in our world and, and in many of, our, uh, of these so-called churches, and even amongst people that are truly saved, this idea that grace now is this, this license, that grace is now freedom to do as we please and as we choose. That's not the grace that God gave us. The grace that God gave us is a grace that says you are now free to live as I desire for you to live. You know, when we think about the Ten Commandments, for example, it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's easy. I'll be faithful to my wife. No problem. But Jesus, he said, You've heard that it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say, Thou shalt not even look at a woman. And lust after in your heart. So we're under grace. Grace takes it a little step further, doesn't it? So the, the law said don't commit the physical act. Jesus said don't even think about it. That's the grace that we're under, just to let you know. That's the idea of grace that God has for us. Amen. And the same grace that God gave us to bring us to salvation is the same grace that he uses to teach us how to live, and it's the same grace that He gives us in order to live the way that He desires. And so when it says here in 1 Peter, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we're going to live soberly and self-controlled, we need to learn to rely on His grace. We cannot have victory in and of ourselves. I think we understand this. We cannot walk in the flesh we cannot do it on our own. Hebrews 4, chapter 6, chapter 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16. The Bible says, 
Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I understand this morning when it comes to holiness, it's not easy. But we have to prepare ourselves for the battle that is ahead. And we must learn that the battle is lost or won in our minds. We must prepare our minds and we must learn to control ourselves. God said we can do it. He told us to do it. We just have to learn how to do it. And it's His grace that we're to rely on. It's Him that we submit ourselves to and that we trust. So I hope this morning we can answer the call to holiness.